0: Good morning good morning to you good morning good morning won't you share with a friend or two good morning good morning to you you Good morning, good morning, good morning to you, you. Good morning, good morning, good morning to you. My stand is doing something weird, so let me get this off of here. Good morning, good morning hopefully that'll hold, to you and many
1: more. Good morning, good morning, good morning, and welcome, welcome, welcome to Daring Dialogues. I am your host today, Shante Charles. I hope that you've been having a great and wonderful day. It is Relationship Wednesday. And we are going to dive right into our two books, Set Boundary, Find Peace, and Drama Free. And I do believe that Mrs. Tawab Nedra has said that her books are currently on sale on Amazon at their lowest price ever. So if you do not have copies of the book and you want to pick them up, they for a limited time i believe on sale there all right let's dive right into set boundaries find peace you know as we um look at this being relationship wednesday there is so much happening in the world right now in terms of our government's relationship with us right um especially here in the united states and good morning to those of you who are coming in in the United States, we had something happen for the first time in our over 200-year country's history. We had a major, the Speaker of the House voted out, um, which also goes back to a conversation we've had a, a couple of days ago where we were talking about the nature of this country and how this country is not really that old and that, unfortunately, our pride just might be our downfall as a country. And here we go ousting the Speaker of the House, never been done in the history of our country. And then shortly after that, booting Nancy Pelosi, the I think the Emeritus Speaker, out of her office and telling her she had 24 hours to vacate the office while she's out of town. So it's done intentionally. So if she doesn't comply then they can kind of go in and, and start moving her things out themselves. Just a lot of disrespect happening at the top tiers of leadership in our country, and that is not a good boding sign for the nation. If you understand anything about spiritual principle and spiritual laws, you know that what what is at the head of a nation flows down upon that nation to the people. So we got craziness going on at the top. Chances are all of that craziness is going to be trickling down and we're all going to unfortunately feel it on a very personal level. So as we dive into this today, I want us to think about what boundaries do I need to hold for myself? What are the ways that I'm maintaining healthy family relationships? Last thing. Before we start reading, there is supposed to be an emergency broadcast that's going to happen through television, radio, and cell phones today. It's supposed to happen at 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. If you don't want to be bothered by the sound, you can turn your phone off or you can put your phone on sound off in vibrator. The message is still going to come on or come through if you have your phone off. So if you don't want the message at all, turn your phone off between 2.20 to 2.50 Eastern Standard Time. Now you do the calculations on that for your time zone, but everybody's going to get that message if you have your television on, if you have a radio on, or if you have your phones on. There's also a message that if you are a domestic violence um, victim and you have a separate phone, people are telling those people to turn that separate phone off because many of the people who are in abusive relationships, their significant other who's abusing them doesn't know that they have a second phone. And so they're advising them to make sure those phones are turned off so that that abusive person does not know that you have a phone to contact people for help outside of the one that they are observing. Now, let's read. Set Boundaries, Find Peace, A Guide to Reclaiming your Yourself. I am probably going to read till about 11.20, 11.25 today. That way we have some good time to have some conversation because I do have to end a few minutes early today. We're still talking about when people push back against your boundaries and we are on rationalizing and questioning. This is one of the ways in which people choose to push back on the boundaries that you set. And then defensiveness and then ghosting. And so I think we're going to make it through those and possibly acceptance. So let's see how far we get. Rationalizing and questioning. Since you accepted behaviors in the past that you now deem inappropriate, people will react by asking questions as a way to rationalize their behavior as unproblematic. And I think we um, read over this one, so I'm I'm gonna go ahead and move forward to how to handle rationalizing or questioning, and then we'll hop into defensiveness. Be careful not to explain yourself Keep your responses short by saying something like, this is what's healthy for me. Saying too much will put you in a back-and-forth negotiation with the person. Defensiveness. This happens when people feel attacked. Being clear in our wording helps minimize defensiveness. Also, being clear in your wording could actually make people even more defensive. Because you know exactly what you want out of a situation, some people can feel defensive about that. I've had it happen. However, some people will respond defensively no matter how you state your expectations and desires. Defensively, people will turn the issue on to you because they don't want to be at fault. In this situation, Kim's friend answers, It's not like I move all the time, but fine. If you don't want to help me, then fine. Defensive people aren't listening while you're talking. They're personalizing what you're saying to them and crafting a response. Their response has much more to do with them than it does with you. They are focused only on getting their needs met and resisting any change in your dynamic. But healthy relationships are not one-sided. The needs of both individuals are equally important. Defensiveness looks like turning your request around by making a request of you, explaining why they did something, accusing you of attacking them, bringing up what you've done in the past as a point of reference for your request. How to talk to people when they're being defensive. Make it about yourself and not them. Use I statements. This is what I need. This is how I feel. This is how I want to handle things moving forward. I, 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 I. Use I statements. Talk about one issue at a time. Don't talk about old issues with this person while stating your boundary. Use feeling words such as when you do X, I feel X or Y. Say something in the moment or soon after. Don't let issues fester for days, weeks, or months. I will never forget one of the best pieces of advice I ever received was from um, one of my former um, bosses, well, really, directors. I don't really like the word boss, Um, but one of my former directors, and she came to me and she said, this is the measure that I use when when trying to figure out if I should confront something, and she said, if the thing wears on your mind or if it rests in your psyche for more than five minutes, it's something you need to address. If it's if it's sitting in your thought process and you're thinking about it beyond five minutes, you need to address it. And that has actually worked for me. Um, recognizing things that will pass that weren't really something I need to address versus things that are sitting in my mind and I'm still thinking about it. I'm supposed to go on about my day, but I'm still thinking about it. Those are things that I need to address. Know your audience. If you can't talk in person, text or email your thoughts. Truly, some conversations are best had in person. But when you feel you won't be able to set the boundary face to face, set it by any means necessary. Um, When I'm having disagreements with people, especially about my boundaries, um, especially online, my online boundaries are, do not tag me with 50,000, 1,100,000 people. Do not tag me with 99 people. Do not tag me if you don't know me. Do not tag me 30 seconds after I just accepted your friend request asking me to buy something or come to your Zoom meeting. Do not tag me. And I will politely go to people, I will message them, and I will say, hey, I'm not sure if you've seen my multiple messages about this on my personal page, but I have written about this. I've done videos on it. I've even sang songs about it. Do not tag me. Don't tag me with 99 people. Don't tag me with 75 people. Don't tag me with 25 people. Or if you need to tag me in something specifically, give me a heads up. Hey, I'm going to tag you. And then I will tell you, does this post that you're about to tag me in contain more than two or three people? Two or three immediate people? Because if it contains more than that, then you don't have to tag me here's what you can do. You can email me the information. and I give people options. You can email me the information. You can share your post into Messenger as opposed to tagging me with 99 other people if you want my attention. Oh, and by the way, you're in my favorites. I have marked you as a favorite person. So that means that I see all of your feed all the time. So I know what events you have going on. So you don't have to tag me with 99 other people because I am paying attention to what you're posting. And if you want free advertisement, I have advertisement pages. I have one called Publisher Power Activate where I advertise people's flyers and posters and events and all that for free. Some people charge for that. I do it for free. If you have something that I think can reach a, or needs to reach a wider audience, all you have to do is shoot your, shoot your post to me in Messenger. I'll read it and then I'll take that post and, and if it's set on public, I will post it to my 117,000 followers. <laughs> but tagging me with 99 people is, not, is the surest way to not get my attention. Especially if I've told you repeatedly to stop doing it. And you still do it. And so, yes, there are people that I love and respect that get on my last nerve because they won't stop doing that one thing, tagging me with 99 other people. And so, yes, I give eye rolls when I see it because I'm like, I know that I've personally had a conversation with this person. And then if I have to come on your page and tell you, if you ever see me in somebody's comment section saying, do not tag me, it's because I've already confronted them privately about doing the behavior. And they're still doing it. (laughs) So, as you can tell by now, because I've spent at least a minute and a half on this topic, this is a pet peeve for me. Don't tag me with 99 other people. Don't do it, especially if it doesn't pertain to me. So, yeah. If I feel like the person needs to hear my voice, I will do a voice message into Messenger. That's one thing I do appreciate about Facebook is it does allow you to have that microphone in Messenger so that you can verbally talk to people They can hear your tone of voice. They can hear whether or not you're angry, irritated, upset, happy, excited. So, yeah, if you can't get to them face-to-face, at least do one of these things. Text, email, messenger, um, audio message, etc. Do something. But do respond if you can. Do respond. Ghosting. Ghosting is a form to me of passive aggressiveness. Ending things without explanation or disappearing is often called ghosting and is an unhealthy response to boundaries. I remember telling somebody specifically that ghosting is something that really bothers me because I do like to... Um, I do like to have communication and closure, if at all possible. And I remember having a conversation with this person and like, oh, yeah, I totally understand. That's just such a horrible thing to do to somebody. And then they ghosted me. (laughs) This is why I say humans are going to human. Ending things without explanation or disappearing is often called ghosting. People who are passive-aggressive use this response. They absolutely do. Rather than stating their objections with you, they try to show you how they feel through their actions. Ghosting happens right away or a few days after you have made your wishes known. It's generally a form of punishment. They feel as though they are punishing you with their absence and with their apathy. But if you know me, If you ghost me, you're not going to be able to um, reappear and reinsert yourself back into my life. You're going to have some explaining to do. I'm going to need to know why you just disappeared and chose not to respond any further. For example, Kim says, I won't be able to help you this weekend. Later that week, Kim texts her friend several times to check in or say hello as she usually does and her friend doesn't respond. Kim is sure that her friend is receiving the messages because she sees the read receipt marking them as read. Ghosting looks like not answering people's calls or texts, canceling plans, keeping in touch with your mutual friends or contacts, but leaving you out and ignoring you. This is the other interesting thing about social media and Facebook and all these other things. Some people come into your life, they will friend you, they will go through your friends list, connect with all your friends, and then they will ghost you. And then you'll turn around and you'll be like, how are they friends? Well, they're friends because they hijacked your entire friend list. (laughs) People are very weird these days. I don't know. I don't know. But... The thing that helps me is understanding that, number one, people are built to surprise you. And number two, humans are going to human. So if you haven't had that happen to you where somebody friended you and then they just disconnected all of a sudden and you turn around and all of your all of their friends are your mutuals, they don't have any other friends, they only have your friends that are now mutuals and they don't talk to you, but they have all your friends. Yeah, it happens. It happens. Just keep living if it hasn't happened to you. So how do you handle ghosting? You can send a precise text message or email mentioning the behavior you're noticing, which I did. People are likely to respond because they don't want to seem upset when they are. Express how the ghosting is making you feel and the concerns you have about the relationship. I did that. If receiving a response takes a few days, be clear to restate how the ghosting makes you feel. If you don't receive a response, remind yourself that their reaction was not about you. It was about their interpretation of the situation. Now, I've had people say, hey, this is what happened. This is how I felt. And we were able to communicate and and get through it and move on. Doesn't mean that the person is back in my life or I'm in theirs. We just were able to resolve what the issue was and we just chose to move on. The people who don't give you a response don't allow you to hear their side. And sometimes those relationships feel like they're in limbo. You don't want them to feel that way, but they do. They feel like they're in limbo because you never got closure. But here's the thing. You can give yourself closure without waiting on them. You really can. It's okay. If they never respond back, it's okay to close the door and say, I attempted, I tried, they didn't respond. I'm going to close the door here and I'm going to keep it moving. Why? Because it's not on you to make that person come to a place of communication and and reconciling and reckoning. It's on them. So do what you can and do what is in your power to resolve the situation. If it's unresolved on their end, close the door and move on. That's it. That's all. Next one, silent treatment. And we're going to stop here and move to the next book. Silent treatment. This response is less extreme than ghosting, but still painful. It's also passive aggressive and a form of punishing you for trying to set a boundary. This person will be noticeably distant after you assert your need. If you try to talk to them, they will offer short responses like yes or no. It's lonely and confusing to be the receiver of the silent treatment. The other person is present, but not really. If Kim's friend used the silent treatment, it would go like this. Kim sees her friend the following week for a previously scheduled lunch date and her friend isn't acting like her usual self. She's quiet and seems preoccupied. Kim tries engaging her friend in conversation, but her friend answers with one word responses. Silent treatment looks like going hours or days without talking to a person, providing short responses to questions, To passively aggressive, express upset. How do you handle the silent treatment? Verbalize what you notice. You seem upset. Can we talk about what I said to you? Be clear about what you perceive to be the issue. Challenge the behavior of the other person. Perhaps offer feedback about why you set the boundary. I was overwhelmed and unable to add another thing to an already full plate. That would be an explanation. So, push back to your boundaries. Those are some forms of it. Silent treatment, ghosting, rationalizing or questioning your boundary, all of those things. We're moving to our second book, which is Drama Free, A Guide to Managing Unhealthy Family Relationships by Dr. Nedra Glover-Tawwab. And we are looking at family dysfunction. What it looks like. We do what we know more often than we learn something new. Mm, mm, mm. We do what we know more often than we learn something new. That's just how I am. Raise your hand if you've heard that in your family. Or you've heard another family member look at the behavior, the problematic behavior of a family member and say, "Well, that's just how they are." That's just how they are. Raise your hand, put some hearts on the screen, type yes if you've heard that phrase. That's just how I am. This is what people typically say when they aren't ready Or they aren't willing to change. But we always have a choice to be different. The first key is awareness. And then being willing to take the first step to do something different. We don't have to repeat the same mistake twice. There's that saying, um, you know, I make a mistake, shame on me. Or shame on you. You do something to me, shame on you. I let you do it the second time. Shame on me. <laughs> oh, God knows how I am is another one. Yeah. And then I say, be transformed. Because if God knows how you are, and if you know God, <laughs> God is in the transformation business. Can't tell me that you're in relationship with God and you're not transforming and changing. Now. Nah. Don't be throwing God into the middle of that. (laughs) Most of what you apply in adult relationships has been unconsciously learned by observing relationships in your family of origin or observing the relationships of your peers. Very few of us look at scientific data to figure out what works, unless you're me. (laughs) Because I'm always looking at somebody's scientific data and study. For the mind, for the relationship, for the health of the relationship. In general, you repeat what you see. Modeling is how you learn to engage with the world around you. If you see your parents yelling at each other during a conflict, it makes sense that yelling is one of your go-to strategies. Now, here's a very interesting thing, right? I've said this before. I am the best thing that happened between my parents, Because my parents got together, they had me, and they never married. I don't even recall, I can't really recall even seeing a conversation between my mother and my father. Ever. I think the first time that I have actual pictures of my mother and my father and me in the same frame is when I got married at 22. Think about that. So while other people are like, I hate all these family pictures, right? I got pictures my mom used to take of me every single day before I walked out the door because she was afraid somebody would kidnap us. We lived in the hood. I don't know why she was afraid of that. Typically in the hood, they not they, they weren't really kidnapping us. You know, baby kids. Nobody kidnaps baby kids, okay? Just, just saying. Um, but I can't recall seeing my parents have a conversation about me or anything because they were rarely in the same space after I was born. So I don't know, maybe that was a plus (laughs) because I never saw any conflict because they were never in the same place to have a conflict that I knew about. Except the conflict of whether or not I was his. Then they had a paternity test. And that solved that. But then I wasn't in that conversation. So, I don't know. I don't have this experience of seeing your parents yelling at each other. Talking to each other. At all. Yeah. I think I maybe can remember one time. I was 13. And again, that conversation lasted maybe two minutes. And my mother was yelling and cussing. So yeah, maybe that one time. But beyond that, I don't recall anything else. Not in my younger years at all. Conversely, people may choose to avoid conflict altogether to avoid yelling. So maybe you were in a space where you didn't really see anybody having conflict because they just avoided it. Not that they didn't have it or didn't want to have it. They just avoided it or they didn't do it around you. Not realizing that they can respond differently in times of conflict. I've heard so many people say, I hate conflict because I grew up watching my parents demean each other. Now, I didn't see anything with my Father, except that one time, I think when I was like 13. But I did have, you know, my mom did have relationships, plural, and I saw how those relationships went. And I wasn't fond of those either. So, though I did not see that, I did see abuse happen. I did see situations where. I said to myself, you know what? This is not the life (laughs) that I ever want to be involved in or ever want to live. This is not what I would want a man doing to me in front of anybody or in front of any children. And I took note of that and I said, if I ever see these characteristics in any guy, I'm running the opposite way. I'm going the opposite way. Cause ain't no way. And I was young when I decided that I was like nine years old when I made up in my mind and I saw what was going on. Good morning. I saw what my mom was enduring in certain relationships. And I said, ain't no way. And I didn't use those words. (laughs) I used some other ones. Ain't no way. So growing up with unhealthy examples leads us to believe that if we speak in an argument, we'll yell or be mean. Now, because my mother used corporal punishment for a lot of things, I had a habit of sometimes yelling. I definitely had a habit of fighting. Um I had a habit of hitting people. <laughs> it took me a long time to break that habit. Like, if I really... If I really liked somebody, if I was like in conversation with somebody and I thought something was really funny, I would just haul off and hit you or punch you. And people would be like, what is wrong with this? (laughs) girl? What in the world? What is wrong with you? And it was somehow I had begun to equate affection with hitting. If I hit you, if I smacked you, if I punched you in the arm, then I must I must really be into you or I must really be enjoying the conversation that we're having. But my friends were not enjoying that. <laughs> so I had to stop. I also had another habit that sometimes depends on who, who's known me or how long they've known me. If I really like you, or I really love you, or we're really, really good friends, when I see you, I will run up to you, I will pick you up off the ground, off your two feet, and spin you around. Now, people don't realize that I'm strong enough to do that, but I am. And sometimes that shocks people and and, and takes them off guard. So I don't do that to everybody anymore. I used to do it all the time. But I don't do that to people that I don't know very well, but certain things kind of get ingrained in us that we're we tend to do, and if we don't evaluate why we're doing it, like I had to evaluate why was I going around smacking my friends? <laughs> why was I hitting people? I really loved these people. I enjoyed their presence i i i I was entertained by them, but then I recognized that that was my way of saying. I really enjoy your presence, but for them, they were not feeling enjoyment. (laughs) They were like, this girl is punching me, and I don't know why. Like, what's going on here? So I think it's important that we have to evaluate our own ways, our own uh, methods of being, okay? I'm going to stop there. I know we only got through one section, but it's okay. I think we have enough here that we can jump into some conversation. We've got about 15 minutes. If you want to respond to anything I've shared today, please hit the camera with the plus sign. And if I see you in person, I'll try not to pick you up (laughs) and tour you around. If you want to talk back with me today, click on the camera and I will bring you in. If you're listening to Spotify, Google Play, I want to thank you for your time and attention today. This has been Relationship Wednesday, Daring Dialogues, and I've been your host today, Shantae Charles. Remember, light is the most daring opposition to darkness, so please continue to go out and be light. Take care, be well, and be light.